If I wanted to double my income or double my sales revenue, and I'm currently sitting four meetings, my first idea is, how do I sit eight meetings? Mm. Now, that's a stupid strategy in the sense that I'm not going to see my family. I'm not going to be able to spend my kids every day, but it will get me to the goal because I know what my conversion rates are, I know what my daily disciplines are, and I know that if I sit eight, I'll double my income and I'll double the revenue brought into the business operating with. Welcome to the Kind Boss Podcast, brought to you by Outsourcing Angel, an Australian-based social enterprise that specializes in helping business owners free up their time and reduce staffing costs, while helping to create employment opportunities for people in developing countries. Visit OutsourcingAngel.com today. Now, let me welcome your host, Lynn Pedetti. Hello, kind listeners. I'm your host, Lynn Panetti. Today, we'll be speaking to our kind boss, Chris Medell, partner at Sales IQ Global. Chris empowers sales professionals to create their own opportunities, win sales at a faster rate, nurture loyal customers, and lead winning teams. Listen on as he shares his sales success plan and helps make sales so simple that you'll be excited to sell every day and feel confident doing it. And welcome to another The Kind Boss Show. And today I have my good friend, Chris Medell. Welcome. Hi. So Chris Medell, we met only this year, a few months ago, but we just really clicked. We just got it turned on because I think it's really because I rarely found someone that as crazy and ambitious and and really kind of like our morning routine just like was so similar and the way we function was so similar. And so, yeah, I wanted to invite you today to... I guess the thing that I might about you the most is your sales and your business development expertise. So, so yeah, so today I want to talk more about that. And of course we got along because you're kind, you're a family guy. And so, yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you. And I appreciate that being on the show. Cool. So Chris, tell me about your journey. Like, were you always this amazing salesperson and business development manager? Were you something opposite? I was completely the opposite. Sales. And as I just mentioned to you, public speaking has been my biggest fear since childhood. All that means is I was scared of confronting people. I was embarrassed speaking to people. My face would go red. You know, horrible childhood fear stuff. My career started in accounting and financial planning. So I worked at two of the largest Australian banking institutions in Australia until I became depressed, unmotivated, and one morning I didn't want to wake up and go into work. For the first time, I just gave up. I quit the job and I entered into a startup at the time called EmployShore in my first sales role. And from that point forward, I'm now loving my career of selling. I've been successful in my own right within the company and within some of the programs I've developed. And I absolutely love it. So it's given me a form of financial freedom that I never thought would be possible. And with financial freedom, it's now also given me a lot of life freedom as well. So that yeah. is, that that is awesome. Is, uh, so um, tell me more about, okay, obviously at the beginning with anyone in sales, everyone's afraid of sales at the beginning and everyone's a bit shy. What is it that made you fall in love with it and just excel in it versus some people that go, it's just not for me. Like, what is it about sales that you love? I have to do selling for my mental wellness. So I'd avoided hard things my whole life that 
selling the first time I actually had to confront my fears. So I was hiding behind the desk, behind the computer screen as an accountant, for example. And I didn't want to go out until I was completely depressed. So sales for me was a form of confronting fear, doing difficult things. Literally, for some reason, I really, really liked overcoming those fears. I really, really liked failing. Who would have known? And because I guess I'm a sucker liking these sorts of things, I've been doing that to this day. So for me now, sales is the most important thing in my world. I love doing it. I'm passionate about it. I advocate it. And I even teach my kids to do it. Yeah. So it's so inspiring because you, if you went from someone that, that was so shy and, and scared of it to someone that loves it, that means that we can, whatever talent, whatever expertise we want to get into, if we just give it long enough time and keep doing it every day, we can actually fall in love with it. Is that what you think? Absolutely. Yeah. And sales is just so important for anything, right? In business, in how you sell yourself to your partner. Like sell to me, I wish I actually studied it early on and, and really put a lot of time in it. So what do you think that makes someone suck at sales? I don't think it's the person themselves. I think it's the information that they're getting. So one of my missions now is there's so many people saying that they can provide sales training and they're great at sales training and they charge money for coaching, but none of them actually get results. So my first three years in selling, I had no training. I was in an organization that no one knew about in an industry that didn't exist with literally me and a few other guys knocking on doors. It was, it was rough. It was scary. But what happened is you learn very quickly how to survive under adverse scenarios. So truthfully, I think that part of the reason most people don't sell is because they're getting the wrong information. They're not listening to people that have done it themselves. Because I, I challenge that you don't need sales training to become the number one sales person in your organization. You don't need it. You literally just need to do disciplines every day and that's it. You're doing certain things every day and then do them and you'll be successful in sales. Okay. To train, you don't need to know, you don't need to spend time on. I didn't, I just got the job done. So I was very, very lucky that I had to do that in order to bring income into my family the rest of the year. Wow, I love that. So can you share with us the actual discipline? So it sounds like it's like this habit of routine of you doing X amount of things or whatever that thing is every day, and then you'll get good at sales. You don't, you'll, what, you're, what you're saying is you don't need to spend a lot of time on learning how to sell, but just doing the sale a lot. Is that right? Technically, I'll give you an example though. Then you and I share a common weirdness. We both wake up at four o'clock in the morning. We both are spiritual people. So we're prayer, we're in prayer. We do some meditation. We believe in affirmations and goal setting. And we also practice our craft. So you're practicing what you're great at in the morning and I'm practicing sales discipline. But basically in terms of what I do every day, or at least what I did in the first few years when I got to pop, I literally committed to a certain amount of activity every week and I actually did it. And if I didn't do it, I learned how to do it. But I didn't have to go out to seek training in order to do it. So part of those disciplines is absolutely self-help and be conscious of your family, be conscious of your spirituality. And then if you just do the same things every day, the tasks that are most impactful towards your goal of sales rep, 
business development manager, sales manager, if you do the right disciplines and you commit to doing them every day, you're guaranteed success. And I'll challenge anyone that says that that's not possible because I've been doing this for seven years. Mm. And I've got the same results in terms of activity, meetings, clients, revenue. So on average for the last seven years, I've engaged 143 new business clients every year. And I've engaged approximately $3 million worth of new business revenue each year for the last seven years. So that's literally January 1 goes back to zero and I have to find another $3 million worth of revenue. Yeah. So I've, done it, I've lived it, I've embodied discipline, but I don't sell and I don't have to train in sales and I don't have to go to someone and find out what to do. It's just very, very simple discipline to do every day, as you do. Okay, so tell me more about that sales discipline. So I know that when I met you, I saw that you have these kind of benchmark numbers, like X amount of meetings a day, X amount of closure. Like, you know, to others, I mean, like me, I, I haven't really had that before. It's like I know how to discipline myself in areas that I'm good at, but the discipline in the sales, I didn't have that. And no wonder why my sales are a bit like floppy, right? And so can you share with me your kind of current sales discipline? Absolutely. So you... I'm partners with Sales IQ Global, an organization that allows a platform to integrate the way that I coach sales outside of my uh, work with Employshore. But basically, one of the programs is called a Sales Success Plan. And it's a one-page document, and it provides a very simple solution as to how to build up those activity metrics. So to paint that in a picture, every day of my life, I intend have four meetings booked in the diary. Whether that's me making calls and putting them in, or whether that's a sales rep, SDR, inside salesperson putting three in there, three by the three by another person, one by me, or four by me. But I intend to have four meetings booked every day. I expect that one will fall off and be rescheduled. So I sit three meetings a day. My average conversion run rate between 20 and 30%. So I expect to get three to five new clients every week. And over the years, the equivalent of that number is 140 to 150 new clients. The average client size is $22,000 per client. So if I put that in a calculator, sitting four meetings a day, uh, one of them falls off, I sign up about one client every day, it's $22,000 of revenue. If I do that every single day, I've then got the same number every single year. So I have done this every day and every year for seven years. And now I've got it to a position where I'm doing it in an eight-hour day, five days a week. I'm not saying that's the best practice because you've got everyone's got different goals. But for me, sales is a very, very simple habit, and I've never really had a problem being successful in it. But the more noise I listen to, the people that say that they're gurus, Kind of that distracts me from actually getting the job done. Because it's quite simple, like you said, you made it out that look, if you want to sell, you've got to stand, sit in front of X amount of people every day. And if you know your close rate is this, then that's the number. So, what happens when you don't hit that close rate in that day? So, let's say you did sit four, but you made zero. Does it mean that tomorrow you need to sit in front of more people? Absolutely. So, the general idea is I do more in order to achieve my goal. How I woke up at four o'clock, I'm not sure whether you should share the same story with this one, but 
I couldn't wake up at six o'clock to save my life. It was hard. I like <laughs> Yeah, your body clock is now used yeah. to four o'clock, yeah. I was lazy and I was an alcoholic at the time. I don't drink anymore. Back in the day, that waking up at six o'clock would have been absolute um, most amazing thing I'd ever done. Now four o'clock. So for me to be able to wake up at four o'clock, I had to practice waking up at two o'clock. And you might think that's absolutely insane. But when I wake up at two o'clock, I'm dead. Like throughout the day, I'm exhausted. I'm not performing particularly well at work. I'm grumpy. The whole thing, you get the two o'clock syndrome. But do you know what happens? Perspective changes. So then when I think, well, I get to sleep in for another two hours and wake up at four. So with sales, if I wanted to double my income or double my sales revenue, and I'm currently sitting four meetings, my first idea is, how do I sit eight meetings? Mm. Now, that's a stupid strategy in the sense that I'm not going to see my family. I'm not going to be able to spend time with my kids every day. But it will get me to the goal because I know what my conversion rates I know what my daily discipline And I know that if I sit eight, I'll double my income and I'll double the revenue volume for people operating with. So technically, if I've missed day one, I just have to do double the activity day two. Now, because I'm in such a rhythm, I don't really need to think that way anymore. I don't need to micromanage my performance. I trust and I know that it's going to be fine. But it takes a little while to have the confidence that you're going to be able to maintain waking up in our case at four o'clock. Well, yeah, I've never tried that whole 2 a.m. thing, but that makes, I can't believe you did that. And how long did you try to do that for? Probably a month, month and a bit. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've tried waking up earlier and yeah, I'm just not used to it. I, the whole day is gone. Uh, the, my method is I just put my alarm in the bathroom outside of my room. So when the alarm goes on, wake up and, you know, till this day, I still don't feel like waking up at four, but it just, you know, do, you just do and it just becomes a habit. So are you saying that the first thing, if anyone wants to take their sales series is to really define these numbers? Yeah. Like to work out what these benchmark is and then work towards that every week? Absolutely. So what I'll do, I'll share this plan with you and distribute to the audience if you want. Yeah. What is the one-page plan of the activity I need to do every week to ensure that I'm a successful sales? And basically, if it's done, you're a successful sales. It doesn't get any more complicated than that. So any of my coaching to business owners, the only reason that their business development is growing is someone's not doing what they promised. It's as simple as that. The only reason why my sales business or um, company I work for in Portugal, my Portugal business is growing is because I haven't done what I've promised, whether it's to the sales manager, whether it's to my clients, whether it's to partners I've engaged with. I have not committed to my word. So that's the hard bit, right? Mm-hmm. When you actually have to wake up at four o'clock, when you actually have to do it, it's all good. It's all good to write about it, speak about it, think about it. But until you do it, you don't grow. Yeah. So it's all good and well. You do the plan. You personally, or the viewers personally, have to actually confront that fear and actually do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's it. I mean, sales is no more complicated than that. You've committed to doing something, and now you've done it. I believe. Because that's the way I did it for the first few years, and that served me pretty well. Yeah. Do you, with your morning routine as well, is the whole purpose of like the exercise and the meditation, all that, do you feel like that makes a big impact on your energy to sell, to get motivated for the day? What is that compared to someone that kind of don't do that and is a salesperson? Like, how do you think the difference is? Sure, it is. Win the morning, win the day. I 
still that crazy friend of mine, we say. But basically, if you're up before the sun comes up and you've connected with a higher self, in, in my case, you've connected with the value that you can bring throughout the day to your clients, you've scheduled a fantastic day in advance, which I do. I live out my day before the day's even started. I put meetings in my schedule for next week that I haven't even booked yet. So I'm always living in advance. And then when I get home at six o'clock for my two hour, let's call it preparation or morning routine, I then get to spend two hours with my kids playing, having fun, being completely present with them. So then at eight o'clock, when my sales day starts, I'm ready to hit it because I feel good. I spend time with my family. I don't feel guilty about not going to the gym for my mental health more so than my physical health. I wouldn't be me without my morning routine, I don't believe. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get you. And that's how I feel too. Whenever I skip any of those morning routines, I can feel the effect. But once you build that habit, it's just the biggest influence, biggest positive impact to my work life. I mean, like yeah, this morning, yeah, like right now it's eight o'clock and we've already done all the kids stuff and exercise and everything else. I wouldn't have to think about it anymore. So that is so good. Before I go on with more questions, I want to break it up with this high five thing. And this is just to get to know you better, Chris. So I'm going to ask you five questions. It's just choosing this or that, giving you two options, quite simple choices, but sometimes it's, it gives people the indecisiveness like, Oh, I don't know which part, but anyway, let's see how you go with this. Number one is call or text. Call and text. Okay, which one? This is so this the rule of the game is this this is a this or that yeah. thing, and then also elaborate a little bit so that we can get to know you a little bit uh, on why you've chosen that answer as well. People need communication more than ever right now with everything that's going on. People need to know that they're cared about, and a text message for me just doesn't cut it. Yeah, get a, a takeaway coffee with your client. Respect the social distancing laws. Do anything. Provide testimonials, which you do a lot of, on other people's LinkedIn page, Google pages. Do everything you can now to care. Call 100%. Call before text. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, being a millennial and um, even me, me and my friends, we always WhatsApp and text all the time. But since meeting you, I, I spent a lot more time on the phone, actually. <laughs> so yeah, thanks. You all want to know that I was calling you every day because I felt that that was a habit that you needed to Ah. And your extraordinary delegation. Yeah, but what I wanted to share with you is Hong is not dead. Yeah. So the phone game is a very, very important resource for anybody that wants success in anything. Mm, thank you. We'll go, I'll ask you a bit more about in our next part. So, number two, looks or talent? Talent. Talent, yeah. Why? Talent will go a long way? Well, what's the reason? Looks very, very easy to fake. Talents are innate. And I believe that everybody has got an inner talent that they should express in their fullest capability. And I believe looks very easy to build a website. It's very easy to put a video on social media. But what's inside or what's underneath the bonnet is a lot more important than that. Love it. Love the answer. All right. So during exercise, do you listen to music or podcast? Both. So one, which one do you prefer if you had a choice? I listen to podcasts while I'm walking and doing high intensity training, which is like 10, 15 minutes. And then in my gym workout, 
I like something really like electro, techno, whatever. Um, <laughs> I like really getting in the zone where I don't really have time or space to think myself out of having a great day. And if you only had to choose one, only one, what would you choose? Definitely music. Oh, okay. I'm opposite. I think I, I, I'd rather learn something than just wasted that moment of not learning. That's just me. But yeah, interesting. Number four, new clothes or new shoes? New clothes. Yeah. What kind of clothes do you like to wear usually? Pretty much this. Suits? I could, I could wear this in the Sahara Desert. I'm a person of suits. But I feel yeah. like I'm going to buy new suits that sort of automatically fit. Yeah, but I, I like I like wearing my suit. I don't like my suit wearing me casually. Yeah. Yeah, you're really well presented. And do you think that it makes a big impact when you're in front of customers, you're in sales? Do you feel like it does make a, a big impression with the way we dress? I hope so. Again, you want to create the biggest impact or value that you can in a virtual time frame. The presentation can help become more certain in personal meeting mind. Yeah. So some people's thing is a well-presented, well-dressed person. Great. It's not my thing. I don't judge people in that way. Yeah. Because I respect, you know, the social hierarchy of things. Yeah, I will see. Yeah, it. yeah, I love it. Last question: a skydiving or bungee jumping? Skydiving. Have you done either either of them? No. Ah, okay. Yeah, skydiving. Yeah. I, is it? Are you choosing skydiving because it's less scary or more scary? Hopefully, more scary. Uh, okay. Well, I've, I've actually tried skydiving and it was not as free falling. Like, it's because you're, you know, you're with somebody and they have that kind of parachutey thing that makes you stay up low. So I think bungee jumping would be more scary. I haven't done it, but I, after I've done skydiving, I think actually bungee jump. So if you're looking for something scarier, I would recommend bungee jumping, I think, <laughs> and the highest as possible. Cool. Thank you so much for answering all that. I got to know you a bit more. The next thing I want to talk about is in the actual sales process itself. You were mentioning before, like calling is not dead. So let's say there are leads and prospects that you've spoken to. Like, do you just literally call them or how do you, or do you email? Like, how do you actually get in front of them again? Most, most of my business is through referrals. So you do the right thing by people. You don't necessarily even need to ask for referrals. So I get on average 50, well, one year with 100 new clients signed up through referral. So, you know, that's a lot of referral businesses that are getting referred to other businesses. So I generally find if you do the right thing, you genuinely care about services delivered to your person, you're going to get a lot of referrals. Now, if I wasn't sitting on this structure that I sort of had built over seven years and I was new to selling, truthfully, my very first client, so I'm in Haymarket at the moment, my very first client starting at Employshaw was the pub down the road that I had my welcome lunch at. So I was able to talk to Steve Ginty, who's now retired, about the Employshaw service in the right way within three days of me working with the organization. He engaged our services by week's end. He loved our services so much that put it not only on Glasgow Arms, but on another, several of his pubs, and then he recommended us to the Australian Hotel Association as well. So he was sitting on the board of. So that's my first client, and I've kept in contact with him. He's retired. He's enjoying life. He really enjoyed using the social service that I had um, sold to him. But that's the power 
of not thinking of someone as just a quick win. Mm. I thought of Steve as someone I want to work with throughout my career. And I've been lucky enough where it wasn't just the Bozo Arms Hotel that I was able to help. It was a whole bunch of other people as well. So, yeah. so in terms of that, I, that, that's what I call a doorknob. So I'm not sure whether people have courage or they may believe in the authenticity of the doorknob. You've got to do a good job. Yeah. And so if you were to follow up on, you know, I guess clients or past leads or anything like that, do you usually just pick up the phone and call them and, and seeing how they are or do you kind of drop them an email? Like, what's your process? So the process, again, that I coach is you should have what's called a cadence. And a cadence is an agreed process that you've agreed with the prospect that you've met or about to meet as to when you're going to contact them. So basically, some people do it every day. Other people say, you can expect a proposal from me within 24 hours. My phone call will be within 48 hours to ensure that you receive the information. I'll be looking at booking a second meeting with you, either today, in the future. And if you're too busy to be able to receive phone calls, which is usually the biggest problem or challenge, are you happy if I continue to contact you until we can book that second meeting? And if you seek permission first, it's all good. So technically now, I just put second appointments as standard, so I don't even need to do follow-up. So again, why do a cadence? Why do a follow-up? Why worry about phone messaging LinkedIn? If you just book the second appointment as a dentist, you don't have to follow up. I love that. I've never really thought about that. So you kind of just set that expectation so they don't feel like you're annoying them or doing anything because you're basically saying, this is what I'm planning to do. And if they did have an objection, they'll say it, right? Yeah, so follow-up has got its place. And if done well, it's fine. But if it's not, no one likes being followed up. No one. So mm. because of that reason, I usually would just seek a second appointment early. And if they say, look, I can't even look at this for three months, then again, seek permission in three months' time for the call. And that's it. If you seek permission on anything that you do within this life, you're going to be okay. Yeah. And since a lot of your business is from referrals, like what is it in your process that makes them refer so much? Like, is it that you follow up after a certain time or do you keep in front of their mind? Yeah. What is it that can, how can we increase our referrals? A couple of things. Your, the, the book that you recommended to me, Never Lose a Customer Again, part of it. If you produce an extraordinary service level, even just as a salesperson, you can ensure that there's a good likelihood that people are going to refer without even being asked. The second thing is, Influential has got a referral program, as does Sales IQ, who I do coaching through, and as do you have a referral program. The benefits of a referral program is that if customers love your service, which you'd expect that they would, the customers can actually become your salespeople, not in a cheesy way. If there's a benefit to them being on a program that gives their friends a 10% discount, as an example, gives a 10% rebate to the client that signed up and gets a new client for the actual great service provider, it's a win-win-win. I'm not worried about suggesting something like that to the people I speak to. So a lot of people are like, ooh, ooh, I shouldn't ask for referrals. Seek permission first. You need to explain your prospects and your clients that we've got these programs available if you want to use them. But don't assume that they don't want to use them just because you've got a problem with referrals. Most people that I've worked with, and obviously 
I advocate referral business a lot because it's the way that I survive. And now I'm lucky that COVID or pandemics or whatever's going on, I've got a very strong base of people that I've worked with that can trust me. So therefore, I contact them, I ask them, is there anything I can do to help? And that in itself, if there are then any opportunities that they know people that we can help, they'll naturally just provide that. But I really ask for referrals. Mm, amazing. Yeah, I really agree with all those points. So when you're in front of a customer, what would be the, your top three advice in terms of being able to increase your chance of converting them into a client? For example, for a long time, I guess I probably spent more time talking than I was listening and discovering on the client. And it took me years to kind of figure that out when I was sitting at a seminar and go, oh my God, oh, I, the first session should be discovery. It shouldn't be, oh, this is what we do, da, 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 almost like giving them everything and they're like oh my god you overwhelmed me uh, so that was one thing that i learned so overall if you could share with us like the top three tips when you're in front of a customer uh, or potential customer what do you need to do actually close them Ooh, good, good question so i've, I've been called a closer a doer and a whole bunch of other words but again i don't associate myself with closing the first thing is listening obviously actively listening not just pretending to listen and what that means is you allow your customers to express themselves fully about their business, about themselves, about their concerns, about their needs, and about their goals. So if you actively listen, you should be speaking very, very, very little. I acknowledge most things that are spoken to me in the first 45 to an hour of a meeting. And what that does I'm not doing it as a tactic. I'm doing it because no one listens to anyone anymore. No one bloody listens. So when you actually listen to someone, they immediately want to do business with you. The second thing is, if they've taken the meeting, they want to sign up for your services. I don't care what you say. If someone's taken a meeting and they've invested their time to see you, partner with them, let them sign up with you, make it easy for them to sign up. So basically the thing is, people talk and people think, salespeople. People assume that what happens every single time you talk, you're adding to-do lists, confusion and uncertainty in your client's mind. You ask them very directly, once they've expressed themselves, how can I help? Or what's your number one priority? What do you need done now? You don't need to say, how can employees or how can sales IQ, whoever you're partnered with, how can I help? Now, they're not stupid. People know what you do, they've already researched you, and they already want to sign up with you. The only reason people lose sales is because they don't shut this one up. So the sales process for me could take five minutes. It could take 10 minutes. There's no NLP, there's no mirroring, there's no weirdness. It's literally active listening, allowing your customer to sign up for your service, and then walking through their fears. So the third one is the most important. And people, again, really bad thinking on this, but closing a deal is not what people think. Closing a deal, in my words, I believe that I'm a closer, not a seller. Okay? Whatever that, whatever that means. Closing for me is hand-holding the customer through their fears 
on an emotional level and logically giving them the navigational tools in their mind to understand the value of your proposition and to sign up with you right there and then. People want solutions. People are in pain. People are sick of hearing people talk. And people get lied to all day long. Give them what they want. Help them. And don't make it an arduous, disgusting sales process where you're following up, you're being cheesy, you're sending stupid templates. It doesn't mean anything to the staff. Love your clients, but not love as in fluffy love. Love them unconditionally as you love your own kids. When you do that, you get some. Oh my God. I really love that. And I think it's uh, the deep listening, even though it's simple, it's hard. We just literally have to listen. And I guess through practice, you can basically can predict the, the kind of clientele that the kind of fear, right? At the beginning, I guess, would it be if you were giving advice to someone new in, in their role to kind of define all those fears so that you've got kind of some ways to, to help them that or yeah. And then eventually there's kind of this set of fears that you kind of so confidently know already, right? Yeah, so sales for me is a game, and it's a fun game, but I believe I know how to win. Whether it's increasing referrals, doubling conversion rates, getting a lot of clients on board, I believe that I know how to win the game. It's very, very simple disciplines. I don't think it's complicated whatsoever. But basically for a client, or sorry, for someone new coming into selling, it can seem overwhelming. It can seem extraordinarily difficult to know exactly what process to do first. But in terms of overcoming fears, what I'd say to those people is there's only five or 10 main fears that you're gonna get every single meeting of your sales career. And usually you can inbuild those fears into what you're saying to the client. So as an example, if an objection may be price, you inbuild that into what you're saying to them so they don't feel as worried about the price conversation at the end. If their concern is, will it work? If you're speaking to them within the sales meeting, you explain where it's worked. There's only a set number of objections that will pop up every single time. So it's just a script. Mm. It's just a very, we're not, we like to think that we're intelligent, but it's the same thing every single meeting. It's the same concern. So it's usually price, timing, or will it work and will it add value to my business? Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. And hold their hand prior to, let's call it the closing phase, and they'll say, where do I sign? Mm. My advice to people new to selling is, is honestly, sell success plan, find out what the numbers are, commit to those, do those every day, fail a lot until you've mastered those habits. And then when you actually get meetings, Honor those meetings, be respectful towards those meetings and give it your all. And everything else will work itself out. I know it sounds a bit trite. That's all I did. I just said, look, yeah. I've got to do this to my survival. And I genuinely do like helping people. So let's just go. But the one condition for me is that I have to do those disciplines. Thank you. Thank you. So how do people get connected with you or work with you? Yeah, so thank you so much for the chat. So I do sales coaching and sales enablement powered by Sales IQ. And basically, my IP and resources, I'm able to deliver solutions for small businesses, business owners, 
high-performance sales reps and anyone interested in the sales profession. So I do coaching, but I also work full-time for a company called Employshore. And both Sales IQ and Employshore provide solutions for small businesses to better outsource some of the challenges that they may face with staff, whether it's sales staff, whether it's people within organisations, whether it's circumstances that we're all facing. So whether your services is digital marketing or sales coaching or outsourced HR, it doesn't matter. We're all in the same boat. We've all got goals. We've all got greater aspirations. Contact me through LinkedIn, Sales IQ website or the Employshore website. Awesome. Thank you. I've got two final questions before we end. What does a kind boss mean to you? A kind boss to me is somebody that does what they say and that provides unconditional love, irrespective of the circumstances. I love that you say unconditional love to your clients because, you know, normally we expect that for our kids. But yeah, you've got that unique mindset to think that you have to love them unconditionally. So that's amazing. And that just shows how kind you are to be able to love your clients and your people you work with unconditionally. So thank you. Finally, the last question I have for you is, what do you want the world to remember Chris for? I want to be somebody that's motivated people to achieve their own financial and spiritual freedom through the disciplines of sales. So sales for me was a lifesaver. And sales for me taught me how to be kind, how to be influential, how to earn money, how to become financially free, and how to lead my three kids, my family, my clients, my, my partners. So, yeah. yeah. I love that because I think a lot of times we kind of feel this negative feeling towards sales and we think of car salesmen and we start to think of this thing. But when I'm talking to you about sales, I, it just motivates me. I, I can't wait to get out there and kind of not sell but not sell, kind of like sell but with all these benefits of kindness, of solving people's problems. So thank you so much, Chris, for all your time today. Yeah, I hope you enjoy it and, yeah, I'll see you again in person soon. Can't wait. I'll see you soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thank you for joining our podcast today. We hope this interview has inspired and humbled you to be a kind boss. Please don't forget to subscribe to our channel and let us know what you think about our show. If you have any questions, please visit OutsourcingAngel.com. Until then, stay kind and spread love.